right, good morning, Offshores. I'm so glad you're here with us today. If you're able to, will you stand and join us as we just spent time this morning giving thanks to God. Wandering into the night, wanting a place to hide this weary soul, this bag of And I try with all my might, but I just can't win the fight. I'm slowly drifting, a vagabond. And just when I ran out of road, I met a man I didn't know, and he told me that I was not. But to believe my doubts are burning Like ashes in the wind So, so long to my old friend Burden and bitterness You can just keep on moving Now you ain't welcome here From now till I walk the streets of gold Savior, because you heal my heart. 
morning. Welcome. We're so glad that you decided to join us for the second week of Advent. My name is Brandi Hafler, and I'm the Community Life Coordinator here at All Shores. I get to work with the Groups Ministry and the Hospitality Ministry. Now, this season of Advent is a very exciting time. It's full of expectation, and we take this time to do two things. We look back at the birth of Jesus because um, Isaiah, a prophet in the Old Testament, gave him the name of Emmanuel. And that means God with us. And many years ago, on the first Christmas day, that's exactly what happened. God chose to come to earth as a baby and be with us. So we celebrate that. But we also look forward because when Jesus was an adult, before he ascended to heaven, he promised that he would return someday. So we look forward with expectation in the day that that promise will be fulfilled. Now, um, we celebrate the second week of Advent, peace, because Isaiah also gave Jesus the name Prince of Peace. And he didn't give peace as many expected him to. He didn't bring it through political power or military might. He stepped into a time of uncertainty and he met people in their pain and their fear and their loneliness, and he offered them his peace. His peace didn't always change circumstances, but it did give them the strength and hope to endure, knowing that the, the pain would be temporary. He did this for me at a time many years ago when I was struggling with um, postpartum depression. I was just in a very deep darkness, and he met me there, and he shined his light into my darkness, and he carried me through. And he wants to do the same for you. Um, I think that we actually could use a lot of a bit of peace right now. We have a lot going on in our world, but even just personally, we know that marriages are suffering and bodies are broken and hearts are hurting. Um, and I can promise you, first of all, that when he came the first time, the same thing was true. And that second, he wants to still offer that peace to you. He's, he calls all who are weary and burdened to come to him and that he will give him rest. And so we're going to do that. We're going to come to him in prayer. Now, if that is you right now, if you find that you could really use Jesus to step into your circumstances and give you peace, um, it is our privilege and our responsibility as believers to pray or intercede for those around us who have needs. And so if you are in need right now of the Prince of Peace to step into your life, I encourage to have a seat. And then those around you, they may lay a hand on your shoulder or they may reach out toward you, but they will join you and they will pray with you as you place your needs at the feet of the Prince of Peace. So join me in prayer. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for being the Prince of Peace, for being, um, for being the King who overcame, Lord, that you overcame the worst this world has to offer, and you continue to promise to do that through and for us. We thank you for being that. Lord, we just, uh, I lift up to you those in this room with needs, those who are seated, and even those who are standing who are afraid to acknowledge or admit their struggles, Lord. You know our hearts, you know what we need, you know our circumstances, Father, because you love us and you know us better than we know ourselves. And I just pray that each of these people will feel your presence with them today and that when they leave, they will be able to see you moving in their lives, but they will feel your peace regardless of the storm around them. Father, I just uh, thank you for answering those prayers today. I thank you for your Holy Spirit that is in this room with us and that goes with us wherever we go. And Lord, we not only pray for ourselves, but we pray for our church family around the world. We lift up to you Love and Action Ministries in Grand Haven as they have been called to a ministry that reaches people in their physical needs, whether it's a place to live or food to eat. But Lord, um, 
they have begun a good work and you've begun a good work through them and we just pray that you would continue to provide for them that you would provide the volunteers that they need that you would provide the resources they need to continue that work that's been that's begun we also lift up to you the ward family who is serving with global partners in asia for zoe who is uh recovering from from serious illnesses two of their children recently diagnosed with learning disabilities and in the midst of it the dad ben is in the middle of a his doctorate lord there's just a lot going on in their family and they have been called away to do your work. And I just pray that as they are continuing to be faithful to you in the midst of these trials, they will feel your presence and your peace, and they will see you moving in their lives. Father, thank you for hearing our prayers, for being one who hears every prayer we pray, and for responding and for knowing what is best for us and wanting only good for us. We give you all the glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen.
We don't want to give just part of us. God, we want to give you all of us. Because you deserve our own. You deserve our everything. So help me bring my everything to you. I lay aside my worries, I lay aside my fears, and I come to you. The Prince of Peace, the Alpha and Omega, King Jesus, I come to you. So is it a fragrance? Then I'll pour my oil out. Is it a light laid down? Then here I give my vows. Is it a song I see? And here's every melody. Tell me what moves you. Tell me what moves you. Come on, can we make this prayer today? Is it a fragrance? And I'll pour my oil out. Is it a lot laid down? Then here I give my vows. Is it a song I sing? Then here's every melody. Tell me what moves you. Tell me what moves you. Come on, let's continue. Is it a fragrance? my days on 
on, sing it out. Then I'll pour my oil out. Is it a lie? Here I give my mouth. Is it a soul I see? Then here's every melody. Just tell me what moves you. Tell me what moves you. Oh, just tell me what moves you. Oh, tell me what moves you. Oh, Father God. We recognize, Lord, that we can come in this place with expectations. Lord, that we can build up in our minds what we want you to do. And that's good. It's good for us to come, Lord, with desire for you to move. But God, we recognize that you are the one who has to move, that you are the one who chooses to move as you wish, that the scriptures tell us that the spirit of God is both wind and fire. God, we don't want to control you. God, we want to lay aside our passions, our will, our desires. God, we just want to engage with you as you choose to do today. And so God, as we empty ourselves of what we brought into this place, we ask that you would fill us fresh and new, that you would have your way. Holy Spirit, come, we pray in Jesus' name. Well, if you're in the room with us this morning, we're so glad you're here. I want to invite you to grab your seat. Good morning. It's so great to be here with you all today. Um, we're so glad that you joined us, and we're just so grateful to be a part of the family of God with you, whether you're in person or you're watching online. We're just so glad that you joined us today. And if you are here for the first time, we are especially excited to have you here. Uh, thank you for being here. Um, if you haven't already, um, and even if you've been here for a while, we have a connection card that we would love for you to fill out just to connect with us and let us know that you're here. There is um, a physical one and a QR code um, on the back of the seat in front of you. And you can use either one of those to fill out the connection card, but that can also give you an opportunity to ask questions, get information that you may want. Um, so yeah, I'd encourage you to do that. And if you fill out the physical one, you can drop that off again at the connection point out in the lobby, where also we have gifts for first-time guests. So if you haven't grabbed one of those, we would encourage you to stop that there and do that too. Um, well, we've worshipped today through music and we've worshipped through prayer. Now we're going to worship through giving um, God's tithes and our offerings. As we know that all the things that we've received are gifts from God and we always give a bit back to him to use for the work that he's begun through the church. And so if you would like to um, give your tithes and offerings, we have boxes mounted on the walls in the lobby that you can drop them in or you can go online at allshores.org slash give. We also have wonderful Christmas services coming up. We have a blue Christmas service on the 21st, which is a very meaningful and um, healing time for those who may be grieving during Christmas. So we encourage you to attend that. But we have that, and we have uh, several Christmas Eve services coming up that we're excited about. We have flyers and cards in the lobby that you can take home with you, and you can use them to invite friends and neighbors if you want to invite them to come and join you. But those are out there, so please check them out before you leave today. And we have one other tradition that we have for Christmas Eve that Pastor Pete wants to talk to you about. So if you take a moment, turn your eyes to the screen. Pastor Pete has a message for you. We are building up to Christmas Eve, to Christmas morning together. 
And as we prepare for those services, this highlight of this tradition and time in our year, we have a wonderful practice here that we give away locally, regionally, and globally an offering. And I want to simply highlight for you the local aspect of that that we'll be giving to you on Christmas Eve. When I say locally, we give to those in need uh, through that local aspect of giving. That's people that have needs that are physical. It can be financial. They can be needs related to rent and different types of issues related to just being in their home that we help bridge a gap for them over the course of the year. That can be related to counseling and other kinds of services that when you give, a third of that offering will go to those in need in our own communities. And so we're asking, will you pray now and ask God how he might encourage you to be involved in the Christmas Eve offering and pray with us for his provision. Over the last 10 years, you've given over a million dollars to help those in need in all these areas. And we're simply saying, God, lead us to be generous in this time. Pray with me and I'll highlight different aspects of that each week. beautiful. Well, welcome everyone to the service this morning. I want to say a special welcome to anyone joining us online. And our Muskegon campus, which is my people, I attend the Muskegon campus, they um, had baptism this morning. They baptized five people. And yeah, Super great. There was a family plus a friend of one of the sons who found hope and belonging and want to follow where God directs them. And one was a man who has been navigating faith and his relationship with Jesus for a long time. And God literally saved his life and he has surrendered to follow him. So we celebrate with our brothers and sisters in Muskegon. Well, I'm Dina Horn. I am a missionary with Global Partners, which is the uh, Wesleyan Church, Global Church Missions Group. And um, I direct Next, which is an, a mentored immersion internship experience for young adults. So that's kind of my normal job, but I am a part of All Shores. And so from time to time, Pastor Pete asks me to preach. And so I'm happy to be here. It's my joy and honor to be able to preach 
today. Well, this fall, my husband Dave took a really long time coming home from a dermatologist appointment. And, you know, I kind of got distracted doing stuff at home and all of a sudden I realized, like, where in the world is he? So I gave him a call and I could tell he was in the car. And I was like, wow, that appointment took a really long time. Um, you know, how did it go? And he was like, I'll tell you when I get home, which obviously meant no good news. So he um, needed to go to Grand Rapids then to have surgery. He had a melanoma spot on his cheek, and that was concerning. You know, the, the cancer word is always concerning, and then that melanoma thing can be so scary. So on surgery day, I sat in the waiting room at Butterworth Hospital with a whole big old group of other people with waiting on their family and friends and I kind of wondered what each of them were experiencing. And I'll quick get to the end of my story that um, a month later, however long, um, the labs came back and were really grateful and overjoyed that the surgeon was able to remove all of the cancer. So we're super grateful there. But let's get back to that waiting room. Um, you know, we all handle those waiting room situations differently. I mean, the, the woman next to me was was distracting herself with Candy Crush, and I've been there. And the, the, there was a woman behind me who was just like pacing back and forth. I mean, there was big worry in pacing. And then there was a gentleman uh, over on the other side who had his head bowed, and while maybe he was taking a nap, I'm saying that he was praying and um, bringing you know, his, his concerns to the Lord. And waiting rooms are, are a temporary space. I mean, nobody's bringing in their suitcases and moving boxes ready to decorate and make it their home. It's a temporary space, but one that can be filled with kind of an anxious excitement, like will we get the good news of the fertility treatment or will we, you know, find out the great test results? Or it can be really filled with a lot of worry. Um, maybe we're going to, you know, hear some, some pretty bad news. I have to tell you that there's, there's times for me when I'm in those waiting rooms, those waiting seasons of life, where I can be filled with worry or doubt or even self-doubt or anger. And I cry out, why, Lord? Or how long, oh, Lord? I cry out with the psalmist, you know, like, how long will this take? Things can look bleak. But today we celebrate the second Sunday of Advent, and we lit, Brandy lit the candle of peace. And Advent means coming. So we're in this season of waiting for the Christ to come. And we're continuing the series, Finding Jesus in the Prophecies of Isaiah. So we're in this waiting, peace, Messiah, coming. And so let's bring all of these things to the Lord. Jesus, we come to you asking you for inspiration, for peace, for your spirit to reveal to us what you have for us today beyond any words that I might say. Would your spirit move in our hearts and prompt us to action? Amen. Well, this week, our text is from Isaiah 11, the first 10 verses, 
And one of my seminary professors used to always say this mantra, context is king. So especially before we get into prophecy and a lot of imagery and poetic kind of language, we need to do some homework to know even what's happening, what's going on with these people, and who is Isaiah. Thad started us on learning some of this, but maybe you weren't here last week. And so let's just remember, Isaiah was a prophet to the people of God during a desperate time. The kingdom was divided in two, and the northern kingdom had already been taken in captive, captivity by the Assyrian Empire. Isaiah was called to deliver the words of God to the people of God. The book of Isaiah is filled with sobering accounts of Israel's sin and rebellion and warnings of their coming judgment. But along with warnings, Isaiah offer, also offers a message of hope, this suffering servant a coming Messiah who would come to establish God's peaceable kingdom on earth. This new king, this new way of life, a peaceable kingdom, it will blow their minds. So follow along in your Bibles if you'd like, or you can just listen. I'm going to go ahead and read the whole passage just so we get the overarching view of what we're studying today. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse, from his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears, but with Righteousness, he will judge the needy, and with justice, he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt, and faithfulness the sash around his waist. The wolf will live with the lamb, the leopard will lie down with the goat the calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear, their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play there near the cobra's den, and the young child will put its hand in the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for all peoples. The nations will rally to him, and his resting place will be glorious. So Isaiah describes the future hope for the people of God. He describes a coming Messiah who will establish a new kingdom. So let's walk through this. Obviously, there's a lot of poetic language loaded with imagery that I think Dr. Seuss would even be proud of. So, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. So in the chapter prior to this, the image is of the Lord chopping down the proud invading army as if they were mighty trees. 
And the stumps also represent the devastation left behind as both northern and southern kingdoms are taken into captivity. I mean, it is a forest of stumps. And in this context, Isaiah paints the picture of a coming shoot, this beautiful, finally, picture of hope in the midst of devastation. And I love that it's called a root from the family of Jesse, the stump from Jesse. And the people of Israel had wanted a king to be like other nations, and King Saul had been rejected by God. So the prophet of Samuel is prompted to go to Jesse, this man who had eight sons. And the older eight sons were uh, rejected, and, and Samuel, uh, Jesse didn't even have his eighth son, David, around. He was out tending the sheep. And eventually, that was the one who God wanted. And Samuel was uh, anointed David to be the king. So I find it interesting that we're talking about the stump of Jesse, not of David. Jesse wasn't even really someone to merit that kind of honor. Isn't that just like God? The royal authority of the house of David then was dormant for 600 years. This devastation of captivity, this time of like, oh, there's, there's nothing. This, these stumps that were in the landscape were there for 600 years. And finally, this shoot came up, the Messiah, Jesus. So Isaiah is painting this picture that is vastly different than what people know. They know fear and invading army and devastation. But this kingdom is coming. And it's going to be led by a ruler who is empowered by the spirit of the Lord, the spirit of wisdom, understanding, counsel, might, knowledge, fear of the Lord. This had to be remarkable. Isaiah referred to the Holy Spirit more than any other prophet. And, and it's just this beautiful picture of how the kingdom of the Messiah will be unlike anything that the people of Israel had known they watched their kingdom divide over a, pow- a painful power struggle. And then they watched these empires come, the Assyrians come, and then eventually the Babylonians are going to come, and they just know these conquering, devastating kingdoms. But this kingdom will be completely different, led by the Spirit of the Lord, by this ruler who delights in the fear of the Lord. And so let's look here at how that Messiah is going to reign. You know, it's common for people to judge by what they see and make decisions based on what they hear. But this ruler will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. But with righteousness, he will judge the needy. And with justice, he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. We see that the Messiah is fighting for justice for the needy and the poor. And he will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. This is not a sword or a rod made with iron that the Assyrians would have been using. No, it's this spoken word, the breath of his lips. The weapons of violence are not swords and military machines. The weapon is the word of God. 
The concepts of righteousness and justice are melded together throughout the Old Testament. I think sometimes when we hear the word righteousness, at least those of us who grew up in church, we can focus on right behavior, which that's an incomplete picture of what righteousness is. Righteousness is the standard of being in right relationship. And God set out four key relationships for us from the beginning of time. Right relationship with God, with ourselves, with others, and with creation. And when the fall came, there was a fracture in all of those relationships. And so justice is taking action to restore righteousness and prevent injustice. And God called his people to pursue justice and to do things to prevent injustice wherever a fracture in relationship occurs. Righteousness was such an integral part of the Messiah's ministry that it's described as that item of clothing. And the belt here is people wore the long robes and so they would like hike up their robes into their belt so they could run. It's a picture of action. It's a picture of movement. Righteousness is not just a state of being. It calls for actions of justice. Well, the scene now shifts, and we need to begin imagining this peaceable kingdom. We no longer look on a tree, but on a pasture. And remember, we've had a lot of imagery surrounding kingdoms and battles and war and devastation But now he pictures this peaceable kingdom. And we've got all of the Dr. Seuss verses here of the wolf and the lamb and the lion and the goat. And the little child will lead them and the cow and the bear. I mean, it just goes on. It's such a beautiful picture of all of this imagery. And they will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain. This is the mountain of God's holiness. This is the promise, the glorious, abundant resting place where the root of Jesse stands. This is the vision of security. The reason such tranquility is possible is that all the earth will be full of the knowledge of God. And this is more than just this intellectual, it's not going to be like a test. The idea is that people everywhere will live according to God's principles and word in in this restoring of all these key relationships. Reconciliation will be complete with God, self, others, and creation, and the environment will flourish. And in that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the people's The nation will rally to him. This is like Thad shared that last week, this rivering toward God. And his resting place will be glorious. The shoot will grow tall and become a visible sign to the nations, like a big flag, a banner. Not a battle standard, but a standard of peace. The shoot will become a branch. We have this bookend to verse 1. The shoot from the stump of Jesse, this Messiah will bring forth a peaceable kingdom in which all people, Jew and Gentile alike, belong. Edward Hicks was a Quaker 
uh, American Quaker preacher during the post-revolutionary era in the U.S. So taking up the painter's brush to supplement his meager income, he painted this painting, which he titled A Peaceable Kingdom. Over the span of his life, he painted 60 different versions of this painting, sometimes with different backgrounds or things happening in local time in the, in the background. But this one you can see down here. Well, you can't really see, but down here it says Isaiah 11. So this is his imagining of that, uh, that, that vision that, that Isaiah paints for us of a peaceable kingdom. And here in the land, the land of lambs, a wolf now resides, a welcomed stranger in their midst. More reckless here, see the children. A small boy shepherds the contented herd of lions, leopards, bears, and wolves, sheep, goats, and cows. Children make a game at the door of a snake's den, and they look terribly close to falling in that ravine. As a mom, I want to say, watch out! But there's no danger here. There's no harm. No one will do evil. None will destroy. I mean, Isaiah calls out the people of God for not seeking righteousness and justice when they had amassed great wealth and power. And so the people of God eventually in judgment, live in exile. They were captives in another country. And I think they think they look back on this passage or they they look back at this prophecy that Isaiah gave to them and they had to be like, how? How could this wolf, these Assyrian captors, ever live at peace with us, the oppressed people of God, Israel, now not even living in our own What? How could this even be? And I think that is our work that sometimes we have to just even imagine what could a peaceable kingdom look like? Jesus quotes Isaiah more than any other prophet. And when Jesus comes, his words and actions are all about bringing justice and righteousness. He trains his disciples to live this way too and calls us to do the same. But frankly, sometimes we're surrounded by this broken world, by broken relationships and heartache and cancer and war, and we can struggle to imagine a peaceable kingdom. Sometimes we just kind of like, I guess it's the way it is. I mean, speaking of war, of course, we've got the world is full of wars. Israel and Hamas and Gaza and Russia and Ukraine and there's wars in Myanmar and Sudan and Ethiopia. And sometimes we just can't even imagine a peaceable kingdom. And those are the examples far away from us. What about brokenness in our families and in our, with our work colleagues and disease and mental illness and trauma and abuse? I mean, we could just like, you know glass half empty this thing and talk about all the ways the world is broken. I did some study on the intersection of justice and peace this week. Sometimes those terms are called conflict resolution and uh, human rights in international politics. And those are inseparable when it comes to the well-being of human communities. 
Both are underlying ingredients to bring about lasting peace. Neither can stand alone. They both need to come together. Human rights, or what we're saying, justice, or conflict resolution, or what we're saying, peace, are mutually inclusive. In principle, justice must not be sacrificed for peace, and the opposite is true. And the status quo will not bring about peace. Action must be taken. Many times when we hear peace, we think about an absence of conflict or serenity, like that inner peace for the inner soul. But shalom, the Hebrew word for peace, more robustly means wholeness, well-being, thriving, everything being as God intended it to be. I think the protest signs, no justice, no peace, are actually pretty theologically accurate. Dr. Martin Luther King said it best, peace is not the absence of conflict, it's the presence of justice. Remember that shalom is lived out in those four main relationships with God, self, others, and creation. But we have this fracture. So God's peaceable kingdom is shalom and justice together. Isaiah paints this future peaceable kingdom, but maybe our first step is to slow down and to imagine the peaceable kingdom, but we also must be seeking a peaceable kingdom. Jesus loved to say, the kingdom is at hand. And every time we live out the characteristics of a peaceable kingdom, it's here and now. The Lord is near. We don't have to wait for some future time. We can act now to bring about abundant life for everyone, not just us. And like the Israelites in exile, their kind of waiting room, we can have a hard time imagining that. We can be blinded or paralyzed by brokenness. How could I bring shalom to this broken world? Let me give you an example. Fresh Coast Alliance in Muskegon is a local ministry partner that provides community-centered re-entry and recovery assistance. Ashley was one person who needed their assistance when she was released from jail, living on the street and wrapped up in drugs. She was living a life of desperation until she called Fresh Coast and found her people. Men and women who understood where she had been and were willing to walk alongside her so she could become free. Ashley entered their housing program, found employment, eventually became a house manager there, and recently was able to get her own apartment. And in this new home, she hopes to share with her children. Her family will be back together because of the freedom she found in Christ. How can we live out a peaceable kingdom in whatever waiting room season we might be in? I think it's important to ask ourselves, how am I making peace and seeking justice in this season of Advent? The weary world is still waiting, and we long for the weary world to rejoice. So let's imagine a peaceable kingdom and seek a peaceable kingdom. Let's be brave and imagine that peaceable kingdom. What could it look like today? So when you're too tired 
or annoyed or stuck or blinded or paralyzed or cynical by the brokenness around you. Meditate on this peaceable kingdom. That sounds like the last drop of chemotherapy. It looks like laughter in urban streets instead of gunshots. It looks like a community welcoming refugee families escaping violence and oppression. It smells like an endless buffet being set before the hungry. I think it looks like jihadists joining the Red Cross. It sounds like birdsong, not rockets and bombs in Gaza. It feels like a hug from an estranged family member. What would you add to this list? Impossible, you say? Someday all will be made right, and the wolf will lie down with limbs. God will make all things new. And not only are we called to imagine that peaceable kingdom, we are called to seek it. So let's tie up our robes with the belt of righteousness, taking action to live in right relationship with God, others, ourselves, and creation. And maybe that's by giving sacrificially to the Christmas Eve offering inviting a neighbor in need over for coffee or a meal, protesting violence and injustice, or talking with a therapist about past trauma, stewarding God's creation. Let's pray and ask God to lead us to specific action as we seek a peaceable kingdom. God, we thank you for this beautiful picture that you gave to Isaiah, to the people in Jerusalem, and to us today. And I pray that in this season of Advent, we would be people brave enough to imagine a peaceable kingdom and take steps to seek it now. Inspire us, God, in Jesus' name, amen. I can't think of any better way to just finish our time together this morning than by celebrating communion because, you know, we believe that God invites everybody to the table, that the communion table, the table of Jesus is one where there's not elevation of one person above another. The only one is Jesus. And when we're talking about God's kingdom coming to earth, it's got to start at the table. It's got to start with God's people coming together in unity, recognizing that we are all welcome, that Christ himself invites us. And so if you're unfamiliar, maybe you're newer here, uh, communion is something we practice every week. And we just believe that God meets us in this time, that as we take time to remember Christ's sacrifice for us, that we also believe that Holy Spirit meets us when we partake of the bread and of the juice. And so Uh, As you walked in this morning, I hope you grabbed the little communion elements. There's a bread on top. There's a juice inside. And I just want to lead us through this time. If you're not a member of this church, that's okay. All we ask is that you're on a journey of walking with Jesus Christ, that you're discovering 
more and more about him every day. And so we believe that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he shared a meal with his closest friends, his disciples. And that night he took bread. And what I love about the bread of the Passover, which is the feast that they were celebrating that night, the bread of the Passover is thin. Uh, It's got holes in it. And it's thin because there's no yeast in it. That yeast often symbolizes pride or arrogance, and in in biblical terms, it symbolizes sin, right? But Jesus was one without sin. The piercings remind us that Jesus suffered for us, that he endured hardship, that he was whipped and beaten and bruised and hung on a cross, but he did it for us. And so the bread Jesus took, he gave thanks for, he broke it. And he just said to his disciples, take this and eat. For this is my body, which is given to you. Let's take and eat of the bread this morning. In the same way, Jesus took the cup. And after giving thanks for it, he just said, take and drink. This cup is my blood, which is given for the forgiveness and redemption of your sins. What a beautiful picture that Jesus poured himself out for us. Let's take and drink together this morning. Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you, Lord, for the gift that you gave to us. God, we pray, may we be reminded, Lord, of your love, just as we shared earlier, God, that your love for us, that it would be something we can dispense to others as well, we pray. So remind us as we continue our worship this morning, we give you thanks, O King Jesus. Amen. Amen. We're going to finish our time this morning with worship, and so I want to invite you, if you're able to, to stand with us and just to celebrate Jesus. What a beautiful name he is. What a beautiful sacrifice. Let's worship together. You were the word at the beginning, one with God, the Lord most high. You hid in glory and creation, now revealed in you our Christ. What a beautiful name it is.
What a beautiful name it is, and we get to worship you, God. We're so grateful. I want to invite you, if you would hold your hands out, I just want to leave you with a blessing today as you go out. And so, God, now we just pray, may your love, God, just shine in our lives. May we be reminded, God, that we are your children. Lord, may the peace of Jesus Christ be with us in all that we do this week. May we be reminded that you bring peace that passes all understanding. And finally, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, that God, you fill us fresh and new so that we can be Jesus to the world around us. May we be reminded of that as we go from this place, we pray with a blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Have a wonderful week, church. We'll see you next week.